You're listening to Simperts Radio, episode number 174, and today we're talking all about how to forgive yourself and heal the inner child to become whole. Welcome to Simple Roots Radio with Alexa Sherm. Alexa believes that simplicity in life is the key to achieving true and lasting health. And now your host, Alexa Sherm. Welcome back to this podcast. As always, my name's Alexa, and this is the place to get healthy, live happy, and find more joy. Today, do we have a show for you? Today, we're talking all about how forgiveness impacts yourself, asking the question, have you forgiven yourself? And even more, we're talking about inner child work and how to become whole. It is a big show, and that is why I asked one of my favorite guests, Amy Van Slambrook, to come back on the show to share her wisdom. Amy is amazing, and she is highly skilled in the craft that she does. Amy is a licensed psychotherapist, certified life and workplace coach, experienced consultant, writer, and growing entrepreneur whose calling is to help others, especially women, heal and gain the power from your past. She has her master's degree in clinical health counseling, as well as many other certifications, including recovering from trauma, relationships, and the health of women. She has a private practice, and she does really amazing work. At the end, Amy's going to share where you can learn more about her, but if you're looking for a counselor or looking to get some help, she is a great resource for you to reach out to and consider investing your health into. Anyways, Amy is back on the show. She was on on episode 114, where we started this process of talking about negative self-talk and changing your brain chemistry. Today, we're going many layers deeper than that, and I'm going to be asking Amy some personal questions that I have about forgiveness, what that looks like, if you have to be present with a person to forgive them, and forgiving yourself and how you can go about doing that, as well as this idea about healing the inner child and ultimately why your inner child could be affecting your weight. So Amy's coming on the show to answer all of those questions and As always, you can expect Amy to bring it because that's what she does. So stay tuned to listen to the full episode. But before we get there, I just want to remind you that you can get all of the resources for today's show as well as more information over in the show notes at simperitswellness.com backslash 174. I'm going to be adding a little bit of my own journey over there in healing the inner child. Also going to give some resources where you can find out more about getting help and doing this work yourself. So hop on over there to get all that information and don't forget to download the Joy Experiment. It's completely free and it's just supposed to open the door to help you start to walk this emotional path. Because more than ever, I believe that we cannot heal our body or the whole of who we are without doing the emotional and spiritual work that's required. I mean, it's unfortunate because I would love to tell you that it's just about health and exercise, But unfortunately, what I'm learning is it's so much more than that. But at the same time, it's so simplistic and it makes health so easy. So make sure you head to the show notes to get all the information for today's show. But for now, let's get right to the show because I don't want you to miss this. Welcome to the show again, Amy, um, your beloved guest here on Some Forwards Radio. And I am just honored to have you back on again to talk about a really deep subject, but powerful. So thank you for being here. Thank you, Alexa. It is such a a privilege and blessing to be on your show again. And I just love um, listening to your interviews and just your heart for um, helping us live healthier lives on all levels. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, And it's funny because I think I'm about 16 episodes into this mindset series. And, you know, when I started out health, this was never something that I really thought would be a big mission in my life was the mind. It was always something I knew uh, was a part of it, but so outside my grasp and my reach. But as I've gone through my own healing journey, I really come back to, I think the majority of my healing happened when I started to dig into my emotions and this inner child and really started to kind of dig through that, which is painful and hard and something that I feel like is so easily to escape and all these other pursuits, right? The pursuit of happiness and the pursuit of health and all these things. But I'm really starting to believe in my own work that we can't get there without doing this work. And specifically, I want to talk today a little bit about forgiveness and the inner child. Um, 
And forgiveness. I haven't had a guest on to come talk about forgiveness and how it relates to the biology of the body and our anxiety and our emotions. So I just want to kind of ask you that question. How does forgiveness impact who we are or a lack of forgiveness impact who we are emotionally speaking, spiritually speaking, and biologically? Sure. Yeah, forgiveness is such a complicated topic. It really is. Um, you could could spend a whole series talking just about forgiveness alone because it, it it involves all of these little threads of our life, you know. And the longer we harbor the unforgiveness, the more threads of our life are affected by that. You know, it it can hamper our ability to connect emotionally because. Essentially, when we hold on to that unforgiveness, we're holding on to the wound. We're allowing it to continue to be present in our lives. And, and we're believing the truth of it on some level in our souls. Um, and emotionally, we definitely are. Um, and, and that's just an understandable place to be. We may logically know what happened wasn't right, but our, our inner pieces are still trying to reconcile that. You know, what was it about me? How could that person do that to me? We just, we, we build and ask questions and it's all underneath the surface. And I think how that shows up um, physically, you know, they say, if you, um, if you hold on to unforgiveness, it's like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Mm. And that's true spiritually and emotionally. It's also true physically because they've found such a link to that toxicity, you know, emotional and and spiritual toxicity actually transferring to become um, physiological and physical, giving us chronic pain, digestive issues, headaches, all kinds of things. And when we navigate the unforgiveness, it is astounding how the body heals itself. Mm. Um, And so it really is, it's more about letting go of that person's impact negatively on our lives. It's a slow process. It needs to be honest. It can't be rushed. But really letting that go for our benefit, for the benefit of people in our families and the people we want to impact. And then we leave the um, punishment, if you will, you know, to to God, in my case, that's what I believe. We just say, look, um, vengeance isn't mine. You know what that person needs <laughs> as mm-hmm. a consequence. Um, and and it is completely freeing. And, and you often have to do it more than once with the same wound. You think you have unfor- you know, you've forgiven it and man, something comes up five or 10 years later, and you have to go through it again and again. Mm -hmm. So when you do forgiveness, what I'm trying to start through is like, I've always thought that forgiveness was kind of a feeling, you know, but I'm starting to recognize that, that it's maybe more of an act. Correct me if I'm wrong in that, that you don't have to feel a certain way in order to forgive. Right. I, do you, Right. We don't, we don't have to wait for the emotion to be present in order to go through the process of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the emotions come afterwards, you know, but it, it's sort of like love being a verb um, that's true with forgiveness as well. Sometimes it's just saying, I know this is what's right for my body and my spirit. And so even though I'm not there 100% emotionally, I need to go through that process, I need to at least start that process for my own health, um, you know, and, and sometimes that involves the other person and oftentimes it doesn't. And, and oftentimes it's more traumatizing to involve the other person, you know, because we can't predict where they're going to be emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and your ability to let go of whatever the wound is doesn't need to involve the other person. That's mm-hmm. something that we can process together and it's very powerful. You know, mm-hmm. we, we have their presence anyway, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. We're holding essentially they're in the room 
if we're holding unforgiveness. And so we just use their presence um, in the room, metaphorically speaking. If Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And I, that was a game changer for me when I recognized that mm-hmm. you didn't have to physically forgive face-to-face, essentially, that forgiveness could be offered without... Like you said, because I think there is so much wounding and and sometimes people don't even know that maybe they've wronged you or maybe they're not ready to hear it or we create more damage. And so I like how you said that that forgiveness isn't always a face-to-face encounter. There are a lot of ways to forgive. Maybe explain that a little bit more and what forgiveness really looks like. Yeah, and it's unique for every person. I will say that people... um, get a sense. You really have an inner wisdom about when that forgiveness has reached a point of feeling complete, at least for, for that, for that season in your life. You know, it's very different. Sometimes it's, you know, really letting go of any reminders of that person. Sometimes it's, um, accepting that, you know, you can use whatever their wound was to move ahead. Sometimes it's um, in a really ironic way, developing some compassion for the state of mind or the state of life of the person who wounded you, understanding they were, you know, doing the best they could with what they had at the time, or because they were wounded, they wounded you. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean what they did was okay ever ever, 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 but it is really therapeutic to say, you know what, I see that it, it really wasn't about me in a lot of cases. If, if I'm the wounded one, it was about what they were working through in themselves. And so it's, you know, as part of forgiveness, it's identifying all the ways that shows up in our life, all the things it's inhibiting and keeping us from and sabotaging And then we have sort of a a measure of whether or not the forgiveness is still there. If we're finally feeling relief in our bodies, if we're finally feeling relief to love again or trust again or, you know, have a relationship with that person, if that's a a healthy space for you to Mm -hmm. be in. Mm -hmm. So up front, um, talking through, you know, Let's talk about what forgiveness looks like. What do you imagine that would feel like? How does that feel in your body? What would be different in mm-hmm. your life if you were able to go through that forgiveness process? Mm-hmm. Again, reaffirming for the person who has been wounded that this is not about ever condoning the pain that was caused to them. That isn't, that is, that's one of the biggest misconceptions about forgiveness, Mm -hmm. that this is not about saying what they did was okay. But if, but if we don't forgive in a way, right? Like if we can come to that space where we can say, okay, this wasn't okay ever, but the act of forgiveness isn't necessarily for them as it is for you. Like it, it, exactly. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know why I kind of thought it was the other way around. And I don't know if that's, that's a common thought is, you know, like I'm giving them what they want and I'm telling them it's okay that they did this to me if I forgive them. But I really had to come to this understanding that no, 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 no. It's not like you said, it's not about telling them that that was okay, but this is for you. Like this is for you to move on because really the hurt that they caused you is just, just escalating in life. You know, like that, that really never leaves until we forgive. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and there's so much that can be gained, mm-hmm. you know, and if we really want to turn that wound into power, we're going to say, wait a minute, the best way to dispel whatever was done to you was for you to use it in whatever impact you want to have in life, whatever mm-hmm. your calling is, whatever your message is to the world. Um, that's sort of the best and highest use of that wounding because you're saying, no, I'm not going to let it stop my life. In fact, I'm going to let it empower Mm. my life. Um, And, and, you know, in, in Christian teaching, there's a difference between forgiveness and mercy. A lot of times people will call mercy addressing more of what 
that person did mm-hmm. rather than the issues with you. Um, you know, and, and there's obviously differing opinions about that, but, um, you know, that's a whole separate process. And, and we leave that up to um, divine work, if mm-hmm. you will, mm-hmm. to really deal with that person. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's nothing that we, um, we could really do for them, even if we forced it. If they're going to feel guilt, if they're going to feel pain because of what they did, that's their process to work through. Mm-hmm. We aren't responsible for um, making sure that they feel um, a lack of guilt for mm-hmm. what they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that help? Yeah, yeah, that's totally helpful. Uh, I think, too, one of the things that I'm learning on this journey, I don't think that I'm all the way there yet, is this idea, and I think maybe this is more common in the health space too, is that it's not just about forgiving other people, but sometimes you have to f- forgive yourself. Um, oh, that is so true, Alexa. That's That one's hard. I feel like that to me is harder than forgiving someone else. I don't know mm-hmm. why or if that's just part of my personality, but the idea of forgiving myself, and this even in this healing journey of you know, being really sick and, you know, being the nutritionist, it was easy for me to uh, constantly criticize myself that I shouldn't be here and I don't know what I'm doing. If I can't keep myself well, how am I going to keep other people well? You know, and like this whole process of I'm really trying to learn to forgive myself for not only the things that I said to myself, <laughs> um, but maybe the actions that I took in response to that. I, I don't know. What Can you just dig into a little bit about forgiving ourselves? Because that one's easily missed. I think we think of forgiveness often as it has to be for someone or, you know, to someone else. But I think there's a world of hurt that we create on ourselves that also needs forgiving. Yes. And that is such, such good insight, Alexa, because one of the, for instance, one of the processes I often have um, my coaching or, or therapy clients go through is something I call the emotional debt exercise. And so essentially, whenever somebody wrongs us, whenever we feel that wounding can be very small, it can be really significant, it's sort of like a debt, you know, they owe us something. And we've got this, we're racking up, they're racking up debt with us every time they wound us. And so part of the forgiveness process for for me and my own work, and now I use it in with my clients, is to just over a period of time write everything that comes to mind, this cathartic listing and accounting of all of the emotional debt. You know, and, and personally speaking, when I went through that process with one of my, my deepest relationship wounds, at the end of it all, what was most chilling was realizing the biggest emotional debt was the one I had accumulated with myself. Mm. The self-punishment that I had inflicted, the criticism, the how could you be so stupid kinds of things, or how could you, you know, not see this? How could you not call this person into account? How could you continue to let them hurt you? Um, They're so subtle. You are so, so right. And, and it is, astounding when you sit there and realize you have been holding yourself in the guiltiest place. Mm-hmm. And and often that's also how we hold on to the unforgiveness. We think it's for the other person. It's really about um, punishing ourselves, that self-loathing. Um, and we do some reconciliation work with that by looking at, you know, would you treat your little child self in the same way Mm. if they had made those same sorts of choices. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And I think a lot of it stems from our inner child, which I haven't talked a lot about that on here. I've mentioned the word a few times. I didn't even really know what the inner child was (laughs) until like the last year. I mean, I I mean, you kind of hear about it, but what really is this concept of the inner child? 
Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's hard to, to introduce without it feeling just a little bit weird. Mm-hmm. You know, like you want me to talk to who right. this little person, this imaginary version of me. And what it really is, is sort of the purest voice within our soul. I really believe um, we're created with just this passionate, um, loving life, um, pure, uh, energized, loving you know, voice inside of us. That's who we are at the start of our life. And all of this, you know, openness to possibility and innocence. And then life starts to happen, you know, and and with each uh, quote unquote life incident, the shroud gets laid on more and more deeply until we get into our adulthood. And that inner child, that pure voice that really is what I believe God wants the world to hear and the person God wants the world to know is shrouded Mm -hmm. with all of this life. And so our work is to kind of um, break through those levels of the shroud back to that inner, inner voice that really, you know, I don't believe all the wisdom rests inside of us. I believe that that's where God speaks to us. Um, and it's also where the primary wound is. And so that inner child is driving a lot of what we're feeling and what we're needing and that ache that we just can't seem to fill, you know, that pain that is hard to escape. Um, often, well, almost always that voice is that inner child crying out. They've been mm-hmm. wounded and they are still in locked into that time period of mourning. Mm. And I think on our last our last episode, we talked about how the brain goes back in time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and there really isn't a time stamp on it. And so when we access this voice, when people are courageous enough to go in and let, I guide them through the process of tackling that voice, it's like coming home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I so like... Does that... I know that was a long-winded answer. No, but yeah. I, I mean, that I, I feel like that was the most clear definition that I've had. Like, I feel like that brought a lot of clarity mm. of this space of coming home. And I feel like in my own life, and I think I see this in a lot of other people's life, is that we're told all the time to just be ourselves. But it seems like an impossible feat because I think it's so many layers of wounds in, in life that have added up that it's so frustrating to even know who you are. Like, sometimes I feel like, oh, I get a sense of who I am, but I also know when I'm not living true to that, but I can't quite figure out the honest answer. And I like how you said it's like your most pure form of, of your real self, you know, of yourself. And, and yeah, so I, I just started doing some, I started reading about healing the inner child. I haven't done a lot of work on it because it is one of those things of like, oh man, I've gone mm-hmm. through so much already, like again. Um, yeah. But I, I yeah. feel like that urge and in, in my soul that this needs to be done. Like I just got goosebumps telling you that, but like, I just feel mm-hmm. like it has to be done in, in order to find true healing. And, and one of the reasons I'm so passionate about this is because I don't think that we can ever mask health. Like, I don't think we can ever put on enough band-aids to make us feel well or healthy, um, to really live true to who we are without doing this work. Um, and I say that before I've actually gone through the actual deep work of doing it, but how do you, how do you even, I mean, I've read about it. How do you even start, you know, like how do you even begin? Right. Right. Because it is, it is, um, very, very deep work and you don't want to do the work totally by yourself mm-hmm. I, I, because we don't know what's going to come out. And, and the last thing we want is for you to dig in and then not have somebody there on the outside guiding you through. It can be re-traumatizing um, in a really deep way. But often the approach I use is to ask, you know, what was, what was your earliest memory? Mm-hmm. Or I'll ask someone who taught you to love and, you know, when we answer those simple questions with the first thing that comes to mind, it starts to open the door into that, those earliest parts of our life that, that have really been the basis on which all of our other 
life choices and our personality have been based. Mm. And when we talk about the earliest memory, I have yet to have anybody not go to a very deep place that is still crystal clear. You know, it may be in, in, in spurts, but um, what is remembered emotionally is still so strong. And as we dig into that more, and we just ask, you know, it, often it's a painful memory. Um, and we ask if that little girl or boy were to enter the room right now, let's give them a voice. Mm. What would they be saying? What would they be needing? And what would they be feeling? And an, another very powerful way to, to get at that voice that I use in conjunction with that sort of um, therapeutic questioning is a journaling exercise that was developed by an Italian psychotherapist, um, Dr. Lucia Capaccione, and it is using the non-dominant hand. And I can explain more detail about how it works, but if you want, but basically... When we use that non-dominant hand, what what she found, and I've seen it, I've done it in my own work, is that the voice of the inner child comes out. So if you're right-handed, you use your left hand. It's messy, it's slow, and the language is like that of a of a five year old or a little a little version of you. And you just let that part of you speak. It is, in, it, you kind of are watching yourself doing it, going, I can't believe this is actually happening. Right. But it, it is the, one of the deepest, if not the deepest exercise that um, I found to start to access that voice. And you answer it in your dominant hand and soothe it, which ends up being your voice of wisdom and and um god's truth mm-hmm. if if you follow um god's teaching and it is just one of the most beautiful experiences and you can do it over and over again because is this a healing that once you do it it's done or is this something that you have to keep revisiting I have found in my own journey, I used to think, well, you know, we've, we will say I've done that work, Mm -hmm. you know, check, we check it off the list. But what I found is it really is just a part of our journey. Those, Mm -hmm. those wounds, those scars are going to always be there on some level, but they don't always have a negative power. Sometimes it's a positive. And I really believe in my heart, the soul knows when it's time to deal with with certain wounds. It may not be the time to deal with all parts of a certain wounding. And so in my journey, you know, I have done incredibly intense work um, 20 years ago, and then 15 or 20 years later, this new part of that wound came up, and you're kind of thinking, wait a minute, how did I forget? I did the work already. But it's just that that's, that's right time for that memory to be dealt with Mm. and so I've just come to accept it's perpetual and it's kind of a beautiful thing because you're always there with yourself in the process right and I like the exercise you gave so just to reiterate so like anytime you go through something you will go back to that exercise with your non-dominant hand and you'll start with the most basic questions correct like your first memory is that where you're starting with that well, usually we do the first memory because this is something that you typically do with a therapist or a coach, somebody mm-hmm. who's trained in that area. And so we talk about, you know, either go back to the, the earliest memory in session or that's what I give as a writing prompt. Mm-hmm. You know, go back to that earliest memory, invite that child, symbolically speaking, into the room with you and what is what are what is he or she saying? What do they need to express? What are they feeling? What are they crying out for? You know, really digging in and, and giving that voice a, a, a stage on which to speak. Mm-hmm. And I like how you followed that up with, in your dominant hand, is the voice of wisdom. Um, I feel mm-hmm. like that is a piece that I was missing in this of 
when I started to do maybe a few exercises, granted, I was doing it by myself. And I think that's why I stopped is because it's overwhelming and it's scary. And I wasn't backing it up with any wisdom. So I was letting things out. And I was like, man, like, I don't I don't know how to to make this right now. You know, like I wasn't making it right, if that made sense. And I feel like then I was like, close it. I'm done. I'm putting this away for a while because it was it was bringing that hurt person back to life without filling it back in with the wisdom it needed, which is dangerous. Yeah. It, yeah. We, it's sort of like opening this deep gash mm-hmm. in our arms and, and then realizing, Oh, I don't have anything to, to do stitches. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have anything to stitch it up. And that it, it is, it's this gaping, um, very vulnerable part of our hearts. Mm-hmm. And so how wise of you to kind of say, I better wait on this. And you really were in touch with, you know, what was safe. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was uncomfortable more than anything. Right. And so I, I didn't, but, but when we talk about the inner child, so there's more than one phase or different types of wounding. I'm not sure. But I think when we go back to like our earliest memories, sometimes though, like our inner child was wounded also later in the childhood. Correct? Mm-hmm. And so yes. like our earliest memory, like what if our earliest memory isn't bad? What if it's good? Maybe that's rare. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Could the wounding have well, happened it's... later? Right. Or yeah, absolutely. And sometimes it's as a young adult or an adult, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's um, when you talk about what is your, even what is your memory of trauma? If it's not a painful wound, you know, it's still going back to the first um, wound that they remember. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just reframing the question. Mm-hmm. And that usually will bring it up, whether it was five years ago or whether it was 25 years ago, I've, it's, there's normally something that happens in childhood that has given this message. And I know Mike Foster talked a bit about this on mm-hmm. his episode, just that we all carry those negative messages. I truly believe that's just part of the definition of childhood, that, you know, the wounding that happens in childhood doesn't necessarily have to be thought of as, as just you know, something we wish away, it can be our greatest strength because Mm -hmm. I believe it's going to direct us to what our calling is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. It's, it's that spin on, on what we view it. And and in the same breath, um, going back to even Mike's episode, I think I asked the question on there that sometimes it feels like my trauma is not significant enough to be considered trauma, traumatic. You know, like I think when we, I, I even struggle with this now of, oh man, I don't have a big enough story for anyone to care. But we all have a story. Like that's just another defeating lie, right? Like, do you believe like Absolutely. everyone has work that needs to be done? Like no one's void of I it. I do. I do. I really believe that. And I think, you know, I also haven't encountered a person who doesn't minimize their trauma, Mm. you know, that while other people have had worse, you know, Mm. who am I to sit here and, and need to do work or feel badly for myself or feel badly for that little child. She, you know, she, she didn't, she wasn't living in a mud hut or Mm -hmm. she was, you know, we can always find people who have it worse, but that doesn't take away from the significance of, our wounding and there's a reason it happened to us and a reason it happened to us in a way that it did. There's nothing about us that is lacking Mm -hmm. that prevented us from having a quote unquote worthy wound or a worthy pain, you know, and, and I don't believe we have to classify it all as trauma. I believe wounding, you know, is something everybody goes through, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and that, there, as I said before, I think little T's and big T's. Everybody's had little T's, bar none. You know, mm-hmm. I just think that that is a part of life. Mm-hmm. If you're actually not in a bubble, you know, mm-hmm. you're out there in the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But like you said, too, this work just, it changes you. Like it changes your view on how to move forward in and at least for me, it's allowed me to stay. 
um, it's allowed me to be. Uh, I, you know, I think before I started this work, I struggled with the concept of being present. Uh, and I think part of it was just the fear of knowing myself enough to be here, you know, like of, of liking that person enough to be here instead of just constantly chasing what I thought I should be or who I thought. And, and, and I think that this is in the world of health too, you know, like I, I kind of question, like, can we not be here? to be us, to do this work because we almost have an identity crisis about who we are. I don't know if that makes any sense, but I've been thinking a lot about that lately. Like, are we struggling to be present, to sit in this stuff because we fear who we're going to find? I do think that's part of it, Alexa. And whether that's somebody who's really going to have a big presence in the world Mm -hmm. and we've been told we're too much or we think, well, what if they don't like me or what if they can't handle me at that level? Or I, that would be very different from who I've established. I am, even if it would feel more true to who I am, it's different. And so what are people going to say? Have I been faking it all these years or, you know, but I believe all of us, go through those periods where we're not living our full selves, where we're, we kind of feel like there's this version of us behind the scenes. And that again, I believe is that earliest part of us who is passionate and like ready to be out in the world. And, um, and, and yet because we, we look around, we think everybody must have done more work or have it more together or have more expertise mm-hmm. or whatever those messages of self-sabotage and imposter syndrome are, you know, we kind of shrink back. And I think looking at Brene Brown's work and talking about how she came out of that and people like Oprah and, and I, I don't know one person who is of quote unquote great accomplishment who's a really big presence in the world who hasn't gone through a period of feeling like, you know, I could never, or who do I think I am? Mm -hmm. You know, why do I think I'm an expert? Why would my voice stand out and be unique? And every, everybody has a unique story, Mm -hmm. every single person, and you do as well. And you have the ability to impact people in the way no one else hands Mm -hmm. in your voice and people are out there needing to hear Alexa's pure, unaltered, uninhibited passion and her voice and, and what your message is to the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good, Amy. Man. Okay. I'm going to change this a little bit back to health as it relates to health, maybe like weight. Could our inability to get healthy or lose weight be in relation to our inner child? Yes, absolutely. How so? Well, um, for, for instance, with someone who's struggling with carrying more weight than is healthy or more weight than they're comfortable with, sometimes that's about hiding. You know, if there was a, a violation often with sexual abuse or um, molestation, anything like that, sometimes it's, well, I will, I will gain the weight to protect myself or to seem what we think is unattractive to other people mm-hmm. um, so that we won't be wounded again. And in the case of someone who might be underweight or not carrying enough weight, it's I'll disappear. I'll mm-hmm. just become so small that they won't notice me. It's all about that self-protection. And I really believe whether we have more weight than is healthy or whether we don't have enough weight, it's about the absolute value. You know, how far is it from a healthy weight for us? And that's really the, the metric for the pain. Mm-hmm. So dealing with either issue is kind of the same, you know, what are we trying to protect? What is it that, what part of you is afraid? Um, what comes up if, if somebody is a, a binger or a chronic overeater, what comes up right before you've eaten or binged? 
you know, what are the feelings that come up or for people who restrict and starve, what was happening right before you made that choice. Mm. And, and often they're really powerful emotions that people are having to, to deal with. And that's the way we choose to cope. That's what that is. Mm. You know, um, I, I, that we feel that's the best choice and it helps us survive in the moment, even though it's not healthy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes sense. And why, why again, this work, it's not just about doing something, right? Like I think sometimes it's just, oh, that's great for you, but I don't need to do that work. Like this work matters, not just in health, but in relationships and in parenting, because I even go back to like the people I feel like I have had to forgive and trying to open my eyes to, man, what must they have gone through? You know, like the, how are, how people act yeah. is often just coming from their inner child. And mm-hmm. I feel like they've developed more compassion in this work for other people to see them as people um, more rather than what they've done. Um, and, yeah. and I think that's a, it's also a powerful place to be. And I'm not saying I'm perfectionist and I worry about <laughs> my own children. Um, but yeah, this work isn't, it's not something to be taken lightly or just to think about doing. Like I, I really encourage people to, like you said, find someone because you can't do it alone. I, I've tried to do it alone and mm-hmm. it's, it's, it, it's every time I pick up a book about it, it's one of those things that I put down and say like, this cannot be done by yourself. Um, and, and finding that and doing that. Um, and as we kind of come to the, the last questions, I think even as I'm just opening up this journey on healing the inner child and finding my true self, do you think we ever get there? Like, is it, is it possible to fully live that a hundred percent? Well, I, I believe it's a, I mean, all of life is a journey. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's not just one destination, but I do believe there's a point at which we break through Mm into um, a connection with life that wasn't there before. And it, it's amazing how it happens when you go through even some of the primary work when you've done your first um, work with that primary wound or the deepest work or you sustain it over time. Suddenly, it's like your eyes are open to the world for the first time. I had talked about... Um, I believe in the last episode about how life becomes like a silent movie when we go through some trauma and we're numb to a lot of it. So when we do this work and we're healing our inner child, you look around and the sky is so blue and flowers are just this Mm -hmm. vivid color and we're, we're tasting differently. We're experiencing relationships differently. And, and, and often, you know, we say, I I can't, believe that I'm getting to feel this. We didn't even know we were exempting ourselves from Mm -hmm. it, but we do. When we're dealing with that numbness, it's like, uh, wow, I get to experience that. I don't just watch other people, but I get to benefit from that part of life too. So it's, it's, and that's sort of childlike, you know, you're people just walking around going, this is incredible. Mm -hmm. You know, this, how wonderful life can be doesn't mean that the work stops then, but it's you I don't find that you you can unlearn that initial sort of foray from silent movie to you're in your life. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, that is a breakthrough moment. Yeah. That that's really encouraging. I mean, it it makes the work worth it. And I think think sitting here, I start to see pieces of that and it's so good. You know, like it makes you want more. Like it makes you want to break through through that to push through what what we know now and know that there there is something better um, if we do the work. You know that that stepping into our real selves is how we were intended, our intended purpose, and absolutely. And there is there is greatness in that. Um, okay, so last question: If someone is just new to this. Uh, what encouragement and, and what starting place would you give them to, to dive into this? 
Yeah, you know, it isn't it isn't um, easy work. It's probably the hardest work you'll ever do, and it takes a lot of courage and bravery. But it is so worth it. So I just want to encourage people: listen to your bodies, listen to what you're longing for, listen to the pain. Don't minimize it or silence it, but recognize it's there, and recognize that it is. It is not going to be fatal to dive deep into that pain, to really open up to that inner part of ourselves. And it is worth it. There is wisdom that that you can't match that is contained in what you'll discover if you go in and deal with your inner child or your wounding or unforgiveness. And to not do it alone, mm-hmm. you know, to find somebody who's qualified, um, that you're comfortable with, that's handling your soul with love and gentleness and protectiveness. Um, but don't be afraid of doing the work. It will be scary. I guarantee it. I was scared and, and that's okay. Doesn't mean that you have to run away from it. There is power in your past. And you'll get to access it if you don't run away from it. And then you can finally put it, put the negative parts of it behind you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So helpful, Amy. How would someone go about finding someone to help them through this? Well, I, there are all sorts of online directories, of course. You know, there is an organization that certifies um, trauma professionals. But not all trauma therapists or people who do this kind of um, inner child work necessarily have that certification. So I think looking in psychology today or asking friends and family that you really trust, who really understand mm-hmm. you, um, you know, are great ways to connect with somebody who's, who's going to do this work with integrity Usually therapists and coaches will have an initial short meeting, get a feel for them, interview them, make sure you're comfortable with them. That's really important. Um, Don't just, I know we're tempted to do it sometimes based on cost or um, things like that, but I think it's there. It's the, the, the value of it. It just can't be measured. Mm -hmm. Um, So whatever is financially feasible for you, I think it's really um, seeing that investment as as one that'll pay in dividends. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. It's an investment. Amy, you have been a wealth of knowledge as always. I really don't want this to end, um, but it has to come to an end. It gives a lot of wisdom and and room for people to think about this and hopefully to open some doors and, and give some hope that there is something, something that can be done, um, to help heal in this journey. So Amy, thank you so much for being here, for sharing your journey and helping me along the way. And all the people who are listening, we, we, Thank you so much. Like I said, you are so adored here. And I know that this is going to help so many people before you go. Can you share where we can learn more about you and what you do. Absolutely. And thank you, Alexa. Thank you. And thank you for your heart and discussing mindset and all of these things bravely. So thank you. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm on Facebook. I am newly on Instagram and that, that will be a growing presence for me. So you can find me just by my name um, and LMHC on Facebook. Um, I'm also, I do a weekly blog. I, lead masterminds online, which are amazing groups. So I encourage um, you all to check those out. Um, and and I would just love to hear from you. There's a space mm-hmm. to contact me via my website. Um, and I, I really am, am all about helping people find the power in their past and in their pain. Um, and so I, I am happy to reach out to anybody and give them some encouragement in their journey. Thank you again, Amy. You have been, like I said, such a great resource. And I hope people go and check you out and and all the work that you have to do. So thank you again so much for being here. Thank you so much, Alexa. It was my pleasure. 
I mean, I could talk to Amy for hours and hours, and I learned so much, especially like I mentioned in there, I'm starting to tap into this inner child work of doing that, but a big downfall is I've been trying to do it on my own. Yes, I have lots of counselors and therapists, but I've yet to dive into this inner child work, and so I'm going to do it. Like I'm going to take the step as much as I don't want to and do the work that's required. Make sure, like Amy says, though, you don't do this alone. That's what I did, and it almost made things worse. So find a licensed practitioner that you can trust and do this work with you. Like Amy said, there's lots of resources online. I'm going to link those up in the show notes. And the contact for Amy, because she does this work no matter where you live in the world. So check out Amy to learn more about her and consider using Amy to help you on this journey. I mean, I'm kind of like... My mind is kind of spinning with the possibilities of could we do this work together and have her lead us in a mastermind or some kind of retreat? I don't know. Clearly, I'm thinking, but how awesome would it be to come together and to heal together in a very intimate and private space and really go home, transform people? I'm thinking big things, right? But I really, really, really want this for you more than anything. I want us to be whole. I want us to come back to that sense of home and I want us to be healthy. And I think that this is what it takes to get there. And as scary as that is, we have to have that vulnerability. Like I said, that vulnerability and trust colliding is where confidence is bred. And I think in that we can walk in simple, easy health. So do the work, find a practitioner and get started. This stuff makes a difference. Also, I would love to know what you thought about today's show. So please shoot me an email at alexa at simperitswellness.com and share this with your friends and family. If this was helpful for you, if this was life-changing in any kind of way, make sure you're telling other people, whether you leave a screenshot on social media, you send a quick email to your friends and family, or you just tell them in passing. I would love to start a community of like-minded people who create this revival in the health space to live true to who they are. And in that comes health. Okay, that's it for today's show. I think you have a lot to process, probably, as I do. So I'm going to let you be, let that simmer for a while, and then start to dig in. Like I said, email me at any point. I'm here to listen and to help you on this way. And don't forget to head to the show notes to get more resources on how I'm getting started, books that got me going in this, as well as where you can learn more about Amy over in the show notes at simperitswellness.com backslash one, seven, four. Okay. I will see you back here next Monday talking about the difference between emotions and feelings. I'll see you then.